0: Welcome to a new episode of Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Casillas. If you're new to the podcast, we explore the intersection of authenticity, productivity, and career development. And we do this by speaking with professionals in the tech industry that have accomplished great things. And when I say great things, I mean being the first ones in their families to go to college, get a degree in engineering or technology, or even their first ones to land a job at a place like Google, Tesla, Facebook, you name it. And the idea of this is that you get inspired and you learn from them, not only about how they got to where they are now, but also you learn how would they go about it if they had to start from scratch. In this episode, I spoke with my friend Eileen Tapia. Eileen is a management consultant with Accenture, and she told us her story. So, going from all the way in Texas to working with Accenture and having not only the experience of working in different industries, oil and gas, energy, technology but also the challenges of being a first-generation Latina in the workplace. And this episode is really special to me because it was recorded during the SHEP 2020 convention. And if you've been around for a while, you know what SHEP is. SHEP is the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, and it's an organization that's very near and dear to my heart. I used to say that SHEP was a convention that I used to go to, but now it's more like uh, SHEP is where I come from. Uh, it's a gathering of between six, seven, eight thousand uh, professionals and students that gather every year in a different city in the U.S. to network and go to workshops in career development. And this year was the first time that, due to the pandemic, that uh, it was a fully virtual event. And to be honest, I was a little bit wary of the virtual aspect of it because, again, networking is the biggest thing for me. And I found out that it was actually really well executed. Uh, The fact that I could uh, go to Q&A sessions and see people over video, over Zoom, and there were, of course, there were side events, uh, people doing Zoom happy hours and things like that. Uh, it was really refreshing and the fact that all of us were together in this trying to figure it out uh, was really heartwarming at the end so in this episode i spoke with Eileen tapia she told us uh, her story uh the name of this session was called uh my Shep story so how did she get to Shep? Uh, how again the things that she has learned as being a, a consultant and being a Latina working in, in tech. And before talking with Eileen, we need to say thank you to the sponsors of this episode. Our friends over at Triplebyte. Triplebyte is a unique way for software engineers to land their next opportunity. It's used by more than 500 startups, as well as companies like Apple, Dropbox, and American Express, to interview software engineers. And the premise of TripleByte is really interesting. So when it comes to software engineering, traditional resumes don't really do a good job of representing the full potential for talent. So TripleByte created an online assessment that you can take and it will measure your technology skills, your coding skills, solving algorithms. And essentially, once you you go through the, the assessment, they will match you with companies that are looking for engineers like you. Keep in mind that Triplebyte is for experienced coders, so if you are fresh out of a boot camp, I I wouldn't advise you to go that way, but if you have two, three, four years of experience as a software engineer, I would recommend you to give it a try. Triplebyte is free and is background blind for engineers. So it doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter if you went to a bootcamp, you went to college, you have a PhD. What matters is that you know how to code and you have some experience in the industry. Uh, Triple Byte has a detailed personal feedback system, so it actually helps you level up faster. So you'll take the assessment and it will tell you in what parts that you do well, what parts you need to improve, and will match you with the decentralized database of companies and ultimately when it comes to software engineering it's all about your tech skills it's not about your resume writing skills so that's something that TripleByte believes wholeheartedly now uh, check it out Triplebyte.com. if you are a software engineer looking for your next opportunity go ahead you can follow the link in the show notes and without further ado in the episode with Eileen Tapia. And funny enough, I need to highlight this. You know, I'm recording this. Um, I'm moving cross country from California to Florida, and I'm recording this in the middle of Tennessee. And where are you at right now, Eileen? am in Ciudad
1: Juarez, La Casa de Mi Abuela.
0: That's fantastic. I love technology because even though, you know, we're recording this for anybody that's coming to the conference, <laughs> we're doing this it highlights our new reality, right? The fact that you can get work done anywhere and you can connect people from anywhere around the world. So I love that.
1: Viva Mexico.
0: Viva Mexico, <laughs> Mexico. So Eileen, tell me a bit about yourself, you know, and how your Shep story, how do you get uh, into Shep? You know, how did you first hear about Shep and
1: Well, like you said, my name is Aileen Tapia. I think a little bit about myself, like I'm I'm very proud that I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, and I'm a nieta. Um, I take that with a lot of pride because I'm a first-generation student and immigrant in the States. And so that wasn't just because of me, it was because of my parents and my grandparents, you know, had a vision. They're entrepreneurs and education was one of, one of the ways to um, improve the quality of our lives. and you know, that happened to be part of my story. Um, I was born in El Paso, raised in Juarez here, um, very close to my abuela, as people know that, you know, she's a second mother to me. Um, And I was raised in Juarez. My brother, I don't know, teenage years, were, wanted to, you know, continue our education in the States. And so he decided to, he wants to go to high school to El Paso. So. You know, the focus is on my brother. They just like lingering me around the bag. Well, if he's moving, like Eileen is moving as well, and they focused on his high school and not uh, my middle school. And so I ended up going to like the least favorite middle school there is in town, and I was there. Um, I went to a bilingual school in Juarez, but we, we learned like window, door, table, but not like how to put sentences together and have conversation. And so when I got to El Paso, it was like a shock or like, I know the words, but I don't know how to speak them fluently. Um, so that was, you know, bullied and, you know, you don't know English and all these things. And volleyball was what saved me. Um, from everything else, because I was really good at volleyball. Um, I was team captain, you know, that my first year, and that was like my, my jump to high school. Volleyball made my experience like a lot better. Fast forward to my senior year, I was in a circuits project, and I loved it. And so I thought, you know, where I want to go to college, all these things. Uh, long story short, I ended up at UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso, so I wanted to stay home. But I kind of knew I wanted to do engineering. And so um, I liked my circuits projects. I was like, let's start with electrical engineering. took my first class, it was fine, took my second class. It was coding, and the tests were coding by, by hand. And I hated it. I, like, I wanted to cry, and it was just like, not for me. And I had a conversation with a professor like, I want to drop the class. Like this is not for me. like I don't like it. Um, like, don't drop the class, you know, just go through it. And, you know, I passed the class, but I was like, this is not for me. Like if right. this doesn't feel natural. And so one of my professors happened to be the ship advisor at, you know, UTEP. And so I had a conversation with him, like, Hey, electrical engineer is not working out for me. Like, I still want to do engineering. I still want to stay at UTEP, but like, what are my options? So we went through all the degree plans. Um, and industrial engineering was like the perfect fit for me, like technical enough and like business enough, and I wanted to be like that middle person. Um, and you know, it kind of translates to like I spoke even to this day, speak Spanish all the time, and like have to constantly translate to English. And so, to me, it was like translating the business terms to technical back and forth. And so that's kind of how I ended up in industrial engineering through my ship mentor or through my professor that was a ship advisor. And, you know, he was like the biggest ship advocate. And so my freshman year, I, we have what we call Gold Rush, which is like just like an engineering organization expo. Um, and he's like, for extra credit, you guys need to go and just sign up to one. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I was working at the time and I went during my lunch break. Um, and, you know, as a woman in engineering, like there's, you know, not a lot of female engineers in my family. So I was like, I want to do sweet society, woman engineers. There was this one guy that kept talking to the one lady in the table. And I was like, you know, I gotta eat lunch. I gotta go back to work. Like I don't have time for all these things. And so the next table was the mice and ship table, um, mice and ship are a joint chapter at UTEP. And so I saw one of my friends that went to middle school with me and I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I don't know, signing up. And so I was like, okay, you know, there's like one person that I know and they're signing up. And then the next day they had like a general meeting. And so it was like very convenient for them to like be tabling and, you know, meeting new students. Um, and then the next day they had a meeting and it was about conferences and professional development. And so that was my freshman year was the day that, or the year that I started my ship story back in 2013. It's it's been seven years.
0: Fantastic. And I love that you highlighted the importance of of sponsorship, the fact that you knew Mm -hmm. somebody already at the table, and they kind of brought you in, pulled you in. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know that's a that's a challenge on on people that don't know about SHAP, uh, because you know we are here. We drank the Kool Aid. We go to conferences. <laughs> we we pretty much you know when I moved to a new city, the first thing that I do I look for a Shep chapter, and I have twenty friends instantly. Yep. But I wonder, you know, when now that you've been at a school for a while, you know, you're working at Accenture. Uh, you're doing all these things. How does that conversation shape in, you know, when you're talking about Shep to somebody that doesn't know a whole lot about it? How, how do you bring it up? Uh, Maybe what uh, advice do you have for folks that are listening to this that want to grow Shep, bring more people in, but they don't know how to start that conversation?
1: Well, I, I've been at Accenture two years. I got recruited at a conference or convention now um, in Kansas City. And so it's, it's been a lovely journey with Accenture. And I think there's, there's like people that know about SHIP um, and like maybe identify as Hispanic, Latino, and then there's people that have no idea. And so to me, when I talk about SHIP, Um, IND it's super big and core to my heart and inclusion and diversity and more focused on the I Um, like you know that's that's part of what you were saying about sponsorship like we want people to feel included and you know part of the conversation and that they have a voice and they're being heard more than anything Um, so to someone that knows about SHIP or you know has some sort of knowledge I think it's important for them to know your story, you know, what's, what's been your experience, but not like force them on them if, if they're not ready. Like I, I think anything, um, especially like ship, like we treat you like family like that. And like, I, you know, I've had friends that I meet instantly and, you know, they treat me like brother or sister and like, they don't sugarcoat things and they're like really straightforward. And, and so if, if you're not ready for that type of experience, like it's important for them to know what's out there. And like, you know, this is what my experience has been, but I wouldn't like force someone to like, you need to do this now and you need to be a lifetime member and you know, all these things. And with like my, my manager, um, my, my supervisor, I have a very special relationship. And, you know, I, I moved to Houston from Alaska from to Houston and, you know, like you said, I, I knew almost no one, and the ship chapter, like, welcomed me with open arms. It was, you know, my first interaction with a professional chapter. I didn't know how different it was going to be from my student experience, because I was president, RSR, a national board member, and then, like, I didn't know how that was going to translate into a professional role, and so they, you know, they opened me with open arms, and they're like, you're a ship person. Like, we're going to give you all these responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. And I was happy to do it. But at the same time, like some events and some things that I wanted to do, I wanted to be very transparent with my leadership. Like, this is something that I'm doing. This is something that I care about. And like, I want you to know what I'm up to, basically. Um, And so my senior manager was like, so what is, what is this about? And, you know, like I'm Hispanic, this is a society of Hispanic professional engineers. Like this is what we stand for. This is what we do. And this is kind of like what I'm doing. He's like, Oh, that's like super cool. And so let's say I went out to an event and I went to speak at, you know, college students, like I will bring back pictures and say, you know, we had so many students, we talked about this, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's a Caucasian male, but he was like, so interested and, now, when we talk, he's like, make sure you're not doing too much. Like, I, I don't want you to get burnt out because you're doing this. Um, you know, a volunteer Saturday mornings and things like that. And, and I think just being very open and transparent for people to know about it. Um, once you share that energy and that passion of IND, in my case, through ship, um, it's, it's, it's what's going to hook them to like, I want that, you know, like I, I wanna be part of, part of that community. I think that's one of what's more than anything is gonna bring them in because they want to, not because you're forcing mm-hmm.
0: them. Right, and, and also highlighting the, the value to the, to the business, to the mm-hmm. actual business unit. The fact that, uh, hey, listen, this is an outreach event, but the ultimate goal is that we're gonna create mindshare of Accenture within the college students and that's our pipeline for interns and future uh, you know full-time employees hopefully so highlighting the the value to the business uh i think i think there's this uh you know there's um you know highlighting the impact it can be challenging by all means but putting, putting it into terms that the other people understands goes a long way, goes a long way. Uh, So how, how are you balancing this, uh, this reality of, you know, hey, you know, I'm a recent college grad and uh, no, we're not talk about, we're going to talk about pandemic after, but right now I'm just wondering about that slice of your life that, okay, UTEP, great, go minors, uh, you graduate you move over to Houston and you are balancing this uh hey I want to excel at my job and I want to deliver I want to build my brand uh while also you know being in a new city new environment you know how how do you balance all those things on what what helped you
1: I think my ship family helped me um you know I at work it, it's a lot of information that's Accenture you know it's it, it's huge and there's a lot of things that you can do and you know trying to figure out I, I just feel so blessed that I ran into the people that I needed to run into early on in my career like and I had you know a very diverse group of people like my senior manager it's one of my biggest advocates I've been working with him for a year and a half now um, and I have a career counselor and I was like what are the things that I need to know to like keep progressing and keep moving my career forward. He was like, well, there's this and this. And I was like, okay, I'm already doing this, this and that. And he's like, okay, let's let's connect one piece at a time. And then I have my other mentor and he's like, Aileen, I have this opportunity for you. Like this is a challenge, but I think it's going to really help you like build your story because Accenture, we're a company of people. It's it's a lot of networking and it's a lot about your brand and your story. So you know, I have this three huge advocates um, in my career, super early on that I think have helped me, you know, I learned this lesson, okay, what's my next challenge? And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for the next challenge. What's what's the next big thing? Like, what else can I do? Um, and so I think that was like my main priority. Like, I want to excel in my job. I don't know how this looks like, because I went from manufacturing quality experiences during my undergrad to consulting, which is very, very different. And so I wanted to understand what how am I going to be um, measured for my performance, because I want to understand so I can, you know, be aware and not be cut off on like, oh, I didn't know. Um, I wanted to know. And then after work, um, ship was like, I don't have a lot of friends. Um, you know, I'm, I'm barely getting to know my coworkers. Houston recruits a lot from, like, the area. So a lot of people are already, like, from the Houston area. And then, you know, there's a couple of people that are not. And so Ship Houston, Houston was, like, my group of friends to, like, let's go out, try this coffee shop, this new restaurant. Like, let's go find the fritanga. Let's, you know, let's find the best tacos. Let's, you know, let's go to this, like, other brewery. Like, let's let's see what's mm-hmm. what's out there. And so ship provided that to me, like, afterward.
0: Right. The social aspect that, hey, it's a new city. I want to discover this. Um, Yeah. No, go ahead, please. So how, so, okay, great. So you are, you're at Accenture. You are, you have your network inside. You have your network mm -hmm. outside within SHEP. I'm wondering then, you know, what are some of the, you know, that you feel comfortable sharing with us some you of know, the the challenges that you that you face, you know, with doing this ramp up and building that eileen brand. You know, some cha- challenges that you face that uh, you overcame or that you're overcoming, because uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are gonna get value out of that.
1: I think the biggest thing that I'm still working on it's setting up my non-negotiables, like at work, you know, I, I wanted to be the best at something, and it took me forever to find that something because that's part of my brand. Um, and just, you know, for, for the benefit of, of my career, like, at the beginning, um, I was making presentations for a lot of, you know, leadership and, you know, making presentation, it's not the most exciting thing in the world if you're if you're not the, as, uh, subject matter expert or that presentation or if you're not delivering the presentation it's not it's not the most exciting but what helped me is that managers knew if I give this presentation to Eileen she's gonna get it done so part of my brand become like became Eileen's gonna get it done if you if you give something to her so to now me is like super valuable that like leadership trusts me in that aspect that whatever might come my way like they know it's going to get done one way or the other. Um, okay. I don't remember what was the question.
0: <laughs> no, some challenges. And, and you highlighted that oh. there, the, the non-negotiables. Can you give me some example uh, of a non-negotiable for you? My lunch. Just, mm-hmm. My
1: lunchtime, I was working through lunch and, you know, working eight to five and then going, going back home sometimes staying later than that. And my lunch, you know, you, you need that break. I wasn't like drinking enough water. I wasn't getting up from my desk. I was just grinding all day. So lunch became like, this is my one hour that I'm going to dedicate to myself for my physical being, um, for, you know, my mental well-being. I need to step away from the computer. So, you know, that was the quickest when that I could think of, of like, this is my one hour out of the day during my working hours that I'm going to take for myself. And not, I don't think that's being selfish to, to the business or the bottom line. Because if I don't take that break, I'm not being as productive. I'm not being as innovative. I'm not being as creative. And so to me, you know, it's helping me, most importantly, and also helping, you know, my project team getting the best out of me, um, but just that one single hour that I'm able to take during the day.
0: Do you find do you find any challenges on being being assertive and protecting those <laughs> those non-negotiables? Um, I'm curious on on what exactly do you do to? To be assertive and, and and protect some of those nowadays that, that you are living longer at at accenture
1: so it's it's hard at the beginning um it's It's hard to like not be on your phone all the time even after hours it, it's hard you know not panicking when a client emails you at like seven o'clock like you want to reply um, but I think it it's being very honest and transparent um, with your leadership as far as like I, I'm going to give you good work, but like, this is, this is what I want in return. And so I, you know, I had a, a meeting with, with my manager one time and I was like, Hey, um, I'm going to block off from my calendar, my lunch hour. Um, and I just wanted to like keep you in the loop. And he was like, you know, like, okay. Um, Cause this is a Natalie's telling a senior manager. And, and then I was like, ex.
0: He was he dismissive about it, or was he was? No, he was okay, just like oh, good.
1: he was just surprised of like me bringing it up and like actually having a conversation about it. Because you know, I I, I don't know what he's used to, but I think mm. most of the people just like put it in their calendar and that's it. Um, but I was like, this is my lunch hour. I want to take this time for myself. I've noticed myself, you know, not sitting up from the desk, like rushing to take bathroom breaks just because I want to get all the job done and me not taking care of myself and so this is the one hour that i want to do that and you know i wanted to have the conversation and he was like totally get it i totally support it like you do your thing you know i i know that you're gonna get it done even after you know if something happens i know you're gonna do it so like just thank you for bringing it up um and so that was like one of the first conversations that i was like this is my my hour And then, you know, sometimes people have pinged me here and there from my team, like, hey, I think I need this from you. And it's like, you know, 1230. And I was like, I'm on my lunch hour. Um, I'll be back at one and then I can get it back to you, you know, any time after one. And they're like, okay that works perfectly. So to me, that before was like, I need to stop eating. Like, I need to go back to my computer. Like, let me do this. And it's just a matter of communicating like this is what I'm doing and I'll get it to you by then that has helped me like build that relationship with my team and for them to understand that, of course like I need to eat you know I, I need to take care of something so I think being very communicative and explaining your why it's it's gonna help um, build that relationship with your team and then build a lot more empathy for you.
0: Yeah, empathy. Empathy is key. You, you know, all this, uh, as we navigate all these uh, new waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I should make a list of all the new euphemisms to how we talk about what's going on right now. And that's actually one of them. We call it "what's going on right now" or the new normal. Yeah. Or. Uh, you know the pandemic, uh, you know what have you, um, but I'm curious on how have things have uh, changed for you. You know every day, uh, you know besides the fact that you can work from Mexico now if you if you feel like it, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious on how have things have uh, in a more serious note now. Like uh, how have things evolved for you uh, now with the current situation?
1: Well, I I feel very privileged that. At least my project was already like equipped to work from home um and in my particular case my client it's it's not in houston it's one hour away from houston and the other office is in tennessee actually <laughs> and oh, so nice. we we were already like having virtual meetings and everything was kind of like you know through through webex teams what have you um and so the transition from you know going to the office to working from home, like at least all the like you know tokens and virtual computers and everything were already set up. So I think for me the transition was really smooth. Um, but when I when I started working from home, I had a hard time, and I still do, of disconnecting. Like you know, if it's the end of the workday. Um, like I need to carry on with my life, whether that's working out, I'm doing my master's, so whether that's doing homework, um you know cooking dinner with my significant other or my family, like whatever that might be, I was having a hard time disconnecting, and so now, you know, every now and then I get a text it's like it's five o'clock, it's five o'clock, like yeah, acaba um, because that was, that was one of the hardest challenges of like me disconnecting because I, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Um, my, my project is, and my team, like I really like them. And, you know, I, I generally care about the project and I just, you know, wanted to keep working, keep working. And so disconnecting was one of the things that I still struggle a little bit um, and making sure that, you know, I stand up, well take a lap, you know, get my steps in.
0: Um, and then come back to work. Great. Uh, I actually do one that I, I mean, it's it's working with mixed results. Uh, but at the end <laughs> of the day, I, I usually, I I close my office at 6 p.m. And what I will do is that I will close my, again, plan my next day. So I don't have to scramble in the morning. Like I know that, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna do X, Y, Z. And if there's more time, I can do A, B, C. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my first meeting is at 9.30. Okay, great. Oh, oh, my first meeting is at 11. Great. So I can plan things out. And then what I do is that I close my laptop and I will physically put it in my backpack (laughs) under the desk. Uh, So it almost has that mentality that, okay, I'm checked out. Yeah. So, uh, again, people can experiment. I feel that... uh, I feel that this has been a, a, learning, a learning experience for all of us you know, that, that are, are working remote. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a bit, I mean, it wouldn't be, a, uh, it wouldn't be a, a podcast with Hugo or a session with Hugo if I didn't ask you this question. Uh, can you talk to me a bit about imposter syndrome and maybe how you manage it? How do you uh, handle it?
1: Um so it it was really like apparent when I started Accenture. Um you start with a start class, right? And so there was in in my particular start date with the group of analysts that I was I was a student from UT Austin, there was a student from AM, and there was a student from Rice, and then there's me, right? And so it was two guys two two ladies including me and it was you know you go through training and and you're getting you know upskilled and whatnot and then you have to create like your internal resume right and so we're going through that exercise and we're sitting right next to each other and you know everyone's listing their their external internships and you know their education chemical engineering and petroleum engineering and you know industrial engineering for them it's not like you know the most prestigious engineering and so you know they were like oh like let let me look at your 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 resume and like I show them and they were like they didn't say anything and they just look away and I was like why like what, what's going on and uh, I got a new template for one of my other friends and so my template was like prettier and then I sent it off to them and they were like we just like think it's incredible how You don't come from a key school or a target school and you have so many like experience already. And like, you know, all, all the things that I've done. And like, I didn't say anything at the moment, but I went back home, um, to my apartment on my own. And I was like, are they right? Like I didn't come from a key school. I don't have petroleum engineering and I'm in Houston. Like it, what's going to happen like none of us have a project like am I not going to get a project like you know the, like those type of things um it ended up being that that petroleum engineer did get a project before all of us and so that was like am I too late like am I doing something wrong like should I have gone to a better school like would yeah, I should yeah, I have stayed with going like
0: going in your head yep yep that's that's how it manifests itself yeah. all the things going into your head the shoulda woulda coulda you know
1: And so it was just, honestly, like I, I ignored it. I was like, I don't know. And I don't know what to do with it. And I, you know, they're still expecting me to do something because they're paying me and I'll figure it out. And so honestly, like I kind of like ignored it for a while. And then it became like very evident when I, I got into another project. And like everyone went to like Purdue and Notre Dame and, you know, more UT Austin's, more A&M. And, you know, they have their school pride and like there was like no one from UTEP. And I was like, like I don't know what to do. And, and really what helped me a lot was focusing on like building my brand and, you know, being known for like, I need mean, to get it done of like, I didn't go to a name school and they're still looking out for me so I think until that moment that took months you know and I still go through it um but that was like the biggest experience that I had when like senior managers were looking out for me because they wanted my work I was like then how relevant is it for for me to not have gone to a key school or for me not have you know a chemical engineering degree type thing. And so that, that helped me a lot. And my one of my mentors also comes from like an underrepresented background. He went to a um, HBCU. And so he kind of like, we were on the same page of like, we both went through this exercise and now I'm a senior manager and like, look how far you can come. And, you know, these are things that are going to stay with you. But it's really up to you if you want to make it a plus or a negative. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, I don't come from a key school and I know I can do the work and I know I'm smart because, you know, all of the senior managers want my work, then I'm I'm just gonna take ownership of that. And so, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but it it's just a process of this is who I am and I love my parents and my grandparents for everything that they've done for me. Um, And I'm, I'm going to make it a plus. Like I want to make it a positive and I want to make them proud because, you know, I I didn't talk about this, but like my mom had my brother in the States and I'll pass him. And when it came to me, um, my parents had money at the time and you know, they were like, let's just, just her here in Mexico. Like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, like we're good financially. And my mom was like, no, like whatever happens, like she's, she's, yeah, like no doubt. And, um, she didn't have the support. And the reason she wanted to do that is because she went to college at Utah, actually industrial engineering, and she didn't finish, but she, Throughout her course, she had friends that were U.S. citizens, and they had work study, and they had all these opportunities that she was stuck not having because of her immigration status. And so she was like, "Hell no, my children are not going to go through that."
0: Okay, no, she's so, going to have the head start. to <laughs> have the head start. No, if I can, no, that's the la mentalidad, de mama. You know that if I have anything in my power to make your life better, I'll give it to you.
1: And so. 20 dollars by 20 dollars she saved and she you know went to the hospital and said i, I want to pay you know for el parto." i don't know um mm-hmm. and they they know. give her a number and her every week 20 dollars by 20 dollars she went out and paid and then i came out you know and now i'm a u.s citizen and so I'm not crying and I'm surprised because every time I tell this story, like it takes a lot of courage for her to do that, for her to go against her family and say, no, this is not going to happen to my daughter. Now it's coming. And I she didn't go through all that trouble for me to like question myself forever. You know, I'm allowed wow. to have my down moments. And, you know, that night when I was on my apartment, like, What am I doing all alone in a new city? You know, Houston, like, what, fourth largest city in the States or Mm -hmm. something like that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming from El Paso, it's predominantly Mexican. And then I go to the Houston, which is like a melt pot of everything, which is awesome, but I'm just not used to it. I was like, my mom didn't go through all this trouble for me just to stay here and question myself. And so going back to, my mom's courage at the time it's it's kind of like where i got my courage from of like i need to keep going i need to keep grinding i i need to figure out what i need to do um but i i can't stay in this like mentality like this is not good for me and that really started like a a, a personal growth and journey of like self exploration self awareness um because i was like I was being aware because of my surroundings and I didn't like it, but I didn't like that. I didn't know how to manage it. And so it went back to like, I need to be more self-aware. I need to be able to manage my emotions and, you know, who who do I want to be? And now this is very existential, but you know, that, that started like another like journey of mine of, that rooted mm-hmm. based on imposter
0: syndrome. thank you so much for sharing that and <laughs> being vulnerable. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to my, yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, wow, well, no, gracias, Helen, this is fantastic. Uh, and it's beautiful how you have the perspective now to, to look at all the pieces. Mm-hmm you know out all the the breadcrumbs along the the path and you know the path never ends because you as you mentioned you're going to this uh self-reflection exploratory journey of okay what does Eileen want to live in the world and, um, and 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 I would love if you could mention a bit about your journey and how are you doing this you know how are you saving these key learnings and how is it going?
1: So um, I, I'm reading a lot. Um, I, you know, I, it, it's the motivation manifesto. It's my favorite book, uh, which I keep rereading. And it's kind of like the Bible, you know, like every time you read it, it means something different. Um, and so that book has helped me a lot. And I do have a notebook where I write like things that I don't want to forget that are very personal, that I think only myself, I can read my scribbles. Um, But I've also been like appreciating and being grateful of what I have and what I've, what I've had. And so, for example, you know, I, I read a book about the feminine body and, like, things that I could eat and do different to feel better and, you know, more energetic. And so when I started doing those things, you know, it took me three months to, like, get where I wanted to be. But when I got there, I was, like, body, like, thank you so much for, you know, being with me 25 years and me not listening to you. Like, just being grateful Um, I meditate. Um, So meditation has helped me a lot with the the self-awareness and just being aware of like where my head is um, at the time. And I I do daily affirmations. And so that has like really, you know, they change over time. Like sometimes I want to, you know, do my affirmations about X and sometimes about, you know, Y. And just being okay with my mind and my body evolving, it's, it's kind of like what pushes me.
0: It's fantastic. I can't wait for you to have a, a <laughs> podcast or a YouTube channel. Oh, my or, God. It, it's, it's so, it's so you, you have it in you. I can tell. Uh, and thank I, you for mentioning journaling because uh, I have mine right here. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing it every morning for the last three years or so and uh it does rewire your brain you know just writing out the three things that you're grateful for today it can be as simple as hey i have some good coffee in the morning not the best coffee but i have coffee in the morning and it's fantastic i'm thankful for the opportunity to come speak at the chef national convention and record a podcast with my friend eileen uh, so yeah. it can be the simple things it can be the big things uh whatever is meaningful to you but it will it does help it does help along the way
1: and i think uh for me like health it's it's number one like we have a roof we have food uh we have clean water like we have all those things that unfortunately most of the time we give for granted and you know i think about other people um other situations that don't, don't have that blessing of, you know, having their own bed, having their own room, having a clean bathroom. Um, those, those are things that I know I'm, I'm super grateful for and the life that my family and I've been able to kind of create for myself um, that I, I just don't think we, we can get for give, for give granted. for granted.
0: Yes, there you go. It's awesome. And Eileen, I don't want to take this for granted. So I wanna say thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and being vulnerable and sharing your (laughs) chef story. I I thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this audience of chef professionals, chef students, graduate, undergraduate? Uh, anything else you wanted to add for these folks um
1: i think i'll add to i i think we're inherently humble um as latino hispanics um and i would like to be like reframing that um i think we need to take ownership of our stories our latino hispanic identity um because that, that has a lot of power, not only in our ship communities, not only in the companies or nonprofits that we work at, but like as, as a global economy that, you know, the state should speak or is like, we have a lot of power. And I think we should take ownership of, of our identity and what we stand for and Really look into what we want to do in this world. Like, I don't know. It it has been part of of my journey. Sharing my story has been part of it. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, like I'm always like trying to post like inspirational quotes, and I get a lot of like DMs of like, thank you. I needed to hear that. So like, keep doing things that you wished you had um, growing up, or even now, um, and. This is very corny but I want to say it it's it's to love yourself and, and to give yourself grace because we've all we all went through a lot and we, we need to be more graceful with everyone and with ourselves
0: definitely definitely. yeah and, and don't don't let the little things get to you don't let the little things get to you I mean yeah the internet is a bit slow yeah it, you know things happen but in the end you know the the things that are important as long as they're taking care of your health your family yeah. your connection to yourself to the community you know, those are the things that need to be picked up shape and you need to focus your energy on. Uh, no, thank you so much this is fantastic thank you I, I thank you and i i wish you a successful rest of the conference
1: Thank you, Hugo. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing more ship stories from our students and our professionals. Thank you, Annie.